<laughs> I'm Tommy Pico, and this is Jump. A Talk That Talk interview podcast wherein I ask a treasure trove of cultural luminaries about the relics, keepsakes, and rando baubles in their apartments, sussing out the stories of their junk. In this episode, we got a crunchy array of motherfucking poets, Angel Nafis, Sam Sachs, and Max Steele. Angel Nafis is the author of Black Girl Mansion, Red Beer Press, New School Poetics 2012. She earned her BA at Hunter College and is an MFA candidate in poetry at Warren Wilson College. Her work has appeared in the Breakbeat Poets Anthology, The Rumpus, Poetry Magazine, BuzzFeed Reader, and elsewhere. She is half of the Odes for You tour with poet, musician, visual artist, and babe about town, Shuri Ehrlichman. And with poet divine Miss Morgan Parker, she runs the other Black Girl Collective, an internationally touring Black feminist poetry duo. In 2016, Nafis was a recipient of the Ruth Lilly and Dorothy Sargent Rosenberg Poetry Fellowship from the Poetry Foundation, and in 2017, she was awarded a Creative Writing Fellowship from the National Endowment of the Arts. That's the NEA, bitch! <laughs> Are you scared? You should be. Get ready to be quenched, you thirsty. Angel Nafis. Hey, girl. Will you show me your junk? I sure will. Okay, so I'll start with this one because it's more traditionally junk. Okay. Because you guys don't know what it is. And I feel like something that is like junk is like, what is that? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a little abstract. Yeah. Um, so LOL, it is what we're looking at. I'll just describe it physically and then I'll talk about what it actually is. Mm-hmm. What we're looking at here is like a small bottle that maybe measures like four three and a half to four inches with a cork in it and inside is like a little scroll of paper like rolled up inside of it yes Mm -hmm. and then it is tied with like a gangly ass string like like yarn type thicker so it's not string it's like yarn to like um chicken wire like a piece of chicken wire Mm -hmm. and then that chicken wire is wired together with like um a smaller piece of wire like throughout it's like woven smaller pieces of wire throughout the little hexagons of the chicken wire i'm getting a little bit sort of dream catcher yes it looks like that but i would never make a dream catcher <laughs> uh and even past me that didn't know wouldn't have made it a dream catcher mm. uh phenomenally enough uh good looking out past me um this is actually <laughs> uh affectionately in our household the nephews Ehrlichman household called a mermaid lung Okay. And it is the first gift I ever gave Shira. Oh, my God. And it is when she lived in Massachusetts and I lived here in Brooklyn. Mm. And we were just started dating. And by just, I mean it had been like a week and a half. Mm -hmm. And I made this thing for her. And and just so you know, all all you out there in podcast land, um, Angel's partner is Shira Ehrlichman. She is. Poet artist, singer, everything. Yeah, everything. Uh, who just left moments ago for a residency so she could finish her children's book. Um, and so I, th- I, s- I put this in the mail to her along with two children's books, a poetry book, and a letter, I believe. And it was a package, and I like decorated the packet, like, you know, collaged the package. It was a whole thing. And, wait, how long had you known each other at this point? <sighs> well, we'd known each other longer, but we've been dating for a week and a oh, half. Oh, this so is so very gay. gay. <laughs> um... 
but we just started dating and it was like very exciting. It was such an exciting time. It was such an exciting time. I think anytime you just start dating someone is very exciting. Mm-hmm. But I think in particular, this was very exciting because um, I had never dated anyone who was an artist before. Mm-hmm. And I'd never dated anyone who was like deeply weird and yeah. sort of like couldn't be freaked out. And who would maybe appreciate the effort that you put into this and who could definitely strange ass thing definitely appreciate the effort and wouldn't question it wouldn't be like why would you send this to me would Mm -hmm. instead be like would instead be like you know (laughs) (laughs) this is great i'm so moved we should definitely be together for Mm. seven years and counting um so it's a mermaid lung and i don't know i just like wanted to make something that she could hang that would like you know so this was like when i came over to her apartment for the first time ever so i came i went from mass or here to massachusetts she had this part like on the wall like Mm. kind of like bolted Mm -hmm. and then this the string was like pinned so that it was almost looked like you know what's the thing when it's like the stars that make a thing constellation and then the bottle was like the thing that was hanging Mm. and in the inside i just like put a charge to her like I, I wrote a charge like uh not a command but like uh you know when you charge someone something like don't let da 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 mm-hmm. or like you good you got it da 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 and so I put a charge in it and the minute you put it up the charge is like activated gotcha. so it's like something like a hope for her life kind of wow yeah that's so I mean first of all it looks really weird in it the is best weird possible way but don't you think sometimes like the <laughs> A measure of a relationship is like how weird you can get with somebody. And I, I think one hundred percent, and not just weird like what's happening, but weird like it annies up. Like I was weird, and then she was like, "Oh, now I can really yeah. pop off." And then she would make me something, and I would make her something. So it was very like feeding off of each other's energy and just kind of being able to, I don't know, make stuff, yeah. make stuff, and like send it to that person. And she said that when she opened the package, her all her roommates like gathered because so she had like housemates because mm-hmm. like. The North, you know, they're Western Mass, mm-hmm. Northampton. You're gonna have like housemates, and they're gonna be all like crunchy and gay and have <laughs> weird haircuts. So they all gathered in her room, and she opened the package, and she was like, um, "I could feel my life changing when I opened okay. the package. I could feel it being like this is like a new ch- chapter. This is like a new situation. I don't know what it's gonna be, but like the entrance of something so weird that I feel so seen by mm-hmm. from someone I don't know who I like already have." you know, these like this electricness with is like the beginning of some new shit. Yeah. Yes. Did, and did you feel that as when you were making it and sending it off too? Yeah. I just was like so excited for her to see it. Mm. I was never like, is she going to get it? I was like, this is the best thing. <laughs> and now I'm looking at it and I'm like, LMAO. <laughs> also time has not been kind to Olung. And it's like, this was, this used to be like gold spray painted. Right. Like it was like an elect, like, yeah. That's kind of what makes it junk though. I mean, for something to kind of lose its luster, but not its purpose. Yes. Yes. Do yes. you think, how, how, how old <laughs> is it now? Bitch, we've been together for seven and a half years. Okay. So that, you know, that amount of time. And um, we, I've, you know, we've lived together for a while. And so we go through bouts of like throwing a bunch of shit out. You know, mm-hmm. we go through bouts of being like, it's time to like say goodbye to like a bunch of shit. And it's hard for both of us to get rid of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when you're like walking in the house and you're like 
can't because some shit falls or like some weird and you're like what is this even yeah <laughs> or like yeah i think sometimes a lot of times i mean you know you can't see i'm we're in angel's apartment right now she's got a lot of keepsakes around here um and a lot of like weird like junky a stuff. lot of weird junky stuff. some of it sometimes um when the memory has left the thing yeah kind of like, i don't even know why i have this anymore. yes that's exact and you know what it is but it doesn't warm you to have that mm -hmm. keepsake of it but this shit has survived every purge mm -hmm. and i am okay to not keep it at this point you know but i look at her and she's like but you know and i'm like bitch then let's just keep it you know what i mean like then that's just we're just keeping this thing it's not even hung up anymore as you can see it was just like on some shit yeah so it looks crazy it doesn't look like even crazy cool it just looks crazy it does look kind of crazy <laughs> doesn't look romantic at this point and but like you know, I think it's it's a, it's the beginning, the yeah. beginning of our thing. So tell me about the other uh, jar or the, uh, the uh, yeah, cork thing that we have on the table. It's another bottle, very a lot smaller. It's maybe like two inches and with a cork in it. Um, and inside of it is soil. And this is a deeply precious, 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 precious item to me. Mm. It is grave soil inside of it, and it is the grave soil of one Harriet Tubman. Oh wow. And um, I got it as a gift. And um, I got it as a congratulations gift, which just shows you really running with the right crew. Mm -hmm. um, some people give like gifts to give it. Some people are like, <laughs> here you go, Ange, congrats. Yep. <laughs> um, I, I took me forever to graduate from undergrad. I was like one of those people where I was like, where it was like a career. Like, mm -hmm. like I was like, you know, like, you know, upwards of like seven years, maybe closer to 10, in and out, in and out. Um, and when I finally graduated. Were you just like doing part time or you were like, I was like in it and then I got sick and, like, and then I was like out of it. And then um, I was back in it and then had to do part time. Then I had to make more money so that I could like pay for it because I, pay, you know, I put myself through school. Um, so it was just like, you know, Lemony Snicket's a series of unfortunate events, my nigga. And <laughs> took me a very long time. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't tell me shit when I finally graduated. Mm -hmm. And that was only accentuated by my friend sending me. She sent me this. And in the same package, she sent me a MAC lipstick. And I was like, <laughs> you truly get what's afoot here. Like, you're maybe the only one who truly gets it. Uh, one, Rachel McKibbins, who's uh -huh. also uh, a writer, the best, one of the best ones. Amazing. And uh, she just like sent it to me and I take it with me, you know, pretty frequently, especially when I'm like shook that something might go down. Like when I went overseas, I was like, definitely taking this. Mm. You're about to catch me out here crossing oceans without this. <laughs> I don't know. I can't speak these languages out here. Let me take this uh -huh. because I don't know what's going to fucking happen to me out there. Yeah. As a, as a token of accomplishment, yeah. it seems like it would reference the past, but yeah. also knowing what it is it seems like a sort of like um encouragement to keep yeah. going yeah well i think that's why it's important i'm not just trying like, to my own heart i think that that's why it's important that i got it after not knowing if i would ever get it yeah. do you know what i'm saying i didn't get it because i finished in four years and mm -hmm. it was easy mm -hmm. she gave it to me because it's like bitch i know what it took and maybe even i don't know what it took yeah for you to do this thing yeah and you are looked after in this way that you can't see and I can't see. And here, let me like remind mm, you that. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like, this doesn't, this doesn't necessarily ward off some shit, although I'm sure it does. Mm -hmm. I think of it as like keeping me in touch with 
the beyond, 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 bitch, you can't see the grand scheme. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I keep this so that when some little shit pops off, mm. I'm like, girl, it's bigger. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. bigger. Yeah, yeah. And there is like invisible hands moving and pushing and pulling and opening doors and closing windows. And you are just good. Just rock. Absolutely. Just rock with it. Yeah. Well, thank you for showing me your junk, Angel. Thank you for coming over and looking at my junk. Sam Sachs is a queer Jewish poet and educator. He's the author of Madness, Penguin 2017, winner of the National Poetry Series, and Bury It from Wesleyan University Press 2018, winner of the James Laughlin Award from the Academy of American Poets. He's received fellowships from the National Endowment of the Arts, that's the NEA, bitch, Lambda Literary, and the McDowell Colony. Sam, I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. And you always have the best set of painted nails in America. Fight me. Sam Sachs. Uh-huh. Will you show us your junk? Behold. Oh. <laughs> um, this is a, what would you, it's not a needlepoint. What would you call it? It looks le- rather like a needlepoint. Like it's, a, mm. Let's just let's call it a framed square needle. I think needlepoint. I always think of something in a circle. Sure. But this is a a so it looks sewn. Mm-hmm. A, a sewn like a sort of. Uh, it's a grandmotherly sort of designed piece that says "motherfucking champ" mm-hmm. um, in, in a, a gold, gold frame. frame. Yeah, on a chain that can be worn around the neck. Oh shit! I didn't even realize that. Hanged on a wall. Okay. Displayed. Um. This came into my possession in 2012. Is that how this goes? I tell you. Yes, okay, absolutely. I'll tell you about the object. <laughs> okay, crack it. So I had just moved to the Bay a few years prior. Um, and at the time, there were multiple poetry slams in uh, Oakland and Berkeley and San Francisco. And this was the first year they decided to send a unified team. Um, and Betsy Gomez, the slam master at the Berkeley slam, uh, made this object um and it was going to be given to the winner of the the y- y'all know what a poetry slam is yes yeah, yeah, yeah. like a little refresher and listen if anybody doesn't know that's what google is there for that's right yeah educate yourself mm-hmm. the tools are available to you 24 hours yeah. a motherfucking day so okay so i don't 100 percent remember this happening at the time i had a hundred and like three degree fever and oh. i was telling you earlier i had pneumonia for a stretch of time okay um so you so were sickly and also competing and competing in this poetry slam it okay. was um at the it was some theater with the name of an insurance company i think kaiser okay the hospital prudential yeah. or yeah, prudential. <laughs> something yeah empire <laughs> blue cross blue shield what's that Hall. one with the gecko it's geico oh geico <laughs> 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 the Geico Amphitheater. Okay, I get that. I, the name makes sense now. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I entered there. There's photographs to prove I'm there. There's photographs of someone hanging this object around my neck. Because you were the winner. Because I won the competition. Congratulations. Thank you. Not to brag, but to <laughs> brag. Um, and yeah. And so I ended up being on like the slam team that year. And then I got this, this object. I think what delights me most about it... Um, is it at first glance it looks like something uh, like uh, an older woman in your life might make for you? Yeah, but Nana's then, present for you for your birthday one year. That's right, yeah. my grandmother Mitzi Friedman. Although she's not good at making anything, <laughs> but shout out anyway, Mitz. Mm-hmm, miss her. Um, and yeah, but on first glance it's that, and then when you look again, it's this you know hubristic cry for uh, personhood and 
triumphing over all odds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it looks like it might say home sweet home. Right. But it yeah, says yeah. motherfucking champ, mm-hmm. which is indeed another yeah. form of home sweet home. I, yeah, I couldn't imagine Reese Witherspoon having this particular uh, inscribed uh, uh, thing on her wall, but home sweet home perhaps. And how, so this this is like sort of followed you Oh yeah, through okay. Different so, apartments, and it has had different. I've had this since t- 2012. I think since then I've lived in five or six different uh, mm. different apartments. I mean, often as like a, just for like a six month sublease or something. Um, and no matter where I was or how sort of uh, empty my homes were, because uh, they're either decorated by other people or just like bare walled, yeah. and you know, often accompanied by loneliness <laughs> and <laughs> isolation yeah. and new cities and sobriety and sorrow um i would hang this object and i feel like it would immediately make it mm. home sweet home yeah, yeah 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 um and it like gave me that just the push i needed to soldier forward is it like is it the just the inscription itself is it the story of it is it is it all that combined is it like a moment of victory i mean how how does it transfer its warmth to you i mean i think it's all of that and then there's also the sort of delight in not really remembering the triumph you know and so like knowing that i accomplished something when i was in this fugue state of like illness Mm -hmm. sort of like pushes me forward to like remember the things that Mm -hmm. i accomplish in the future (laughs) Yeah, and also that, like, I think it's it can, in a way, too, is, like, a remembrance that, like, even if you're not in your best state of mind or your mm. best self, you're still capable of accomplishing so much. Mm. So that idea of, like, having to be optimal, of having to be 100% in order to get anything done, it's like, no, 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 no. I could be at 25 and still win a motherfucking slam competition. You don't know what I come mm. from. <laughs> and maybe, maybe I'm at my best when I'm at 25. Maybe, <laughs> you know, I mean, who, what, what are these rubrics about anyway? That's right. I'm curious though about what moving so much mm. and so often did to you and your junk in general. Mm. Like, cause I imagine having to move that much, you get very choosy about what you keep with you. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've pared down most of my life. Uh, I'm about to move again back to Oakland and I've been having these long conversations with my partner. He wants to get me me to get rid of like half of my books. Mm. Um, Ooh, yeah, I mean, because moving books gonna... is one of the hardest motherfucking things to do. It's a tragedy. Yeah, it's, they're the heaviest things that I look at the least. <laughs> <laughs> True, um, but I'm but they also bring are a way for a way when you invite people over. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the one of the first things that people look at is like mm-hmm. what you have on your bookshelf. Right, it's how you signify oneself uh-huh. that's right um my wardrobe has remained basically the same for the past six years it's like a, <laughs> a button up and like some kind of sh- short short Sam's gotta have a fanny pack on that's right yep been wearing a f- that would have been a good junk i've been wearing you know a fanny pack since 2008 mm-hmm. which i found in a, a dumpster Oh, in, in Amsterdam. Oh, wouldn't that be a, um, that'd be a much more interesting story? <laughs> let's just kind of go with that as well. Tell us a little bit about this fanny pack. Uh, you know, it was purple. <laughs> um, I was like living in a, a squat and there's like squatter culture in Amsterdam is a little different. Um, it's just where like a lot of expats sort of go and there's it's free to live there usually and more community oriented living mm. and squatter laws are way lax. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was just the easiest and most succinct way of carrying one's life around upon thy thy waist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been wearing it every day since. And now folks come up to me being like, oh, you're like capitalizing on this new trend of the fanny, the fanny pack. And I'm like, no, like, no, no man. I made that trend is you're, what I did. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
because I know the first time that I ever met you was in Austin mm. in um, the winter of 2015. Yes. And that was one of the first things that I clocked about you was like your fanny pack. And I was like, because it just, I think it's a way of, it's like a way, it's it's very charming. I think of it as being very charming mm. and sort of disarming as well. And also we had a, a person um, in in a, a previous interview, Victoria Ruiz, the um, lead singer of the Downtown Voice, and she talks about this t-shirt that she had um, that is kind of like threadbare and had a bear on it that was like kind of punk and had a mohawk and a leather jacket. And because it wasn't cool, mm. that like it disarmed a lot of people and it was like very charming or mm. that it wasn't, not cool, but it, that it wasn't a postured coolness mm. that it was more of like an intrinsic um idiosyncratic almost kind mm. of a like staple of a person mm. that it really um charmed people or something mm. yeah i mean i think also uh the fanny pack's quite utilitarian mm -hmm. and you you can when you see someone wearing one you go oh that's a no nonsense person <laughs> Just try and get something done. Um, I'm usually like, I know exactly where their wallet is. <laughs> that's not where I keep my wallet. I'm not saying to you because I don't. I'm just saying that's what I think when I see fanny packs. Snatch them. But then I'm also like drawn to the area of somebody's junk. Mm. That's right. Where it functions more as a cob piece. A little bit, right? yeah. A little bit. Or I'm like, hmm. Because <laughs> fanny in like British slang is pussy, right? It's like a vaginal. All right, I'll go with it. <laughs> okay. The other thing I'm curious about is like, how did it become, was it from the jump? Was it an everyday thing? Your fanny pack? Um, Yeah. I think ever since I found that purple fanny pack, it, uh, it what stayed about on my it waist. What about it to you? Like I wanted to showcase my butt. You know what I mean? And I feel like often you got Yo, a, a I mean, wallet or something Maybe after there. I get those injections. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I, I only have so much to work with. So I feel like I want to present it in its, you know, most lurid presentation. Right. Yeah. So you got to leave with the strengths of your body or whatever. I mean, that's why uh -huh. I like to wear um, no sh no sleeves because I just I have I just have really nice shoulders. I feel like I have really nice shoulders like to show them off. You know what I mean? You do have nice shoulders. Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, and is this like something regardless of a season? It's just like an everyday type thing. Is it like with you winter, yeah. spring, summer, and fall? It is. I get oh, into trouble at, at formal events though, right? Oh. Or places with a dress code. Uh -huh. And I have to sort of re uh, like take everything that's that's been in my fanny pack for, you know, how, however many months and figure out how to carry it uh, in my clothing and mm. my, le you know, these lesser garments. What sort of junk do you carry in the junk? There's like a, various crystals and stones. Okay. There's this figa that my Brazilian aunt gave me. Um, what is that? It's like a little metal fist with the like the thumb is through the two the two other fingers. It's like between if you, the middle and ring finger. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So that's a gift. Uh, there's a human tooth. Um, um, okay, then that's from my my human body. Okay, <laughs> uh, that was like random human tooth. All right. Okay. Yeah, I had a rotted. Um, a rotted tooth in the back, a wisdom tooth that I had pulled. And the man was uh, sickly when he pulled it from my body. It was kind of a shady operation. So in, like in general, you just, you know, you, you are kind of about the, like the kind of keepsake life. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I think that might have to do with moving so much, right. Is like to hold on to the small things mm. that offer like grounding and support and like remind me of spaces where I felt rooted and held. Um, mm. Right. Cause having to like get rid of, most, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like I've had to get rid of pieces of art that I've like bought from friends, like that's like sold elsewhere, right? Or like, um, yeah, like things for my grandparents, you know, like like things for my family that I've needed to hold on to. So, yeah, 
trying to cherish the the little things. I guess the the last thing that I want to say though, as as junk pertains to you and your particular situation, I think it's really beautiful the idea of you know being sort of physically uprooted regularly, mm. carrying small things to keep your rootedness with you. Yeah, I mean, I also think that's how poems work too, right? Mm. And maybe draws back to the the work that we both do right is like you can hold a phrase in your head and say it over and over again and that sort of detritus or that ephemera or that language is a kind of root right or Mm. a place on a map and i think that's like i mean i think language is the ultimate junk i think we just started a new poem sam (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much so nice to talk to you Max Steele is a writer based in Brooklyn. He makes music and theater performances for punk clubs and art spaces and writes fiction, poetry, and criticism. He's written The Zine Scorcher since 2006 and Door Girls since 2015. He blogs as Fag City and plays in the band Body High. Max is also my oldest friend in the city, probably my favorite writer of all time. And when we were PYTs in our freshman year at Sarah Lawrence College, we were motherfucking roommates. This audio was recorded at our live show at the Ace Hotel New York back in May. Okay, so junk. This was actually really hard to find a a piece of junk because I've really been on this Marie Kondo getting rid of stuff thing. Um, But so I have some junk, which I'm going to read you the story of. It's this little plastic dish. Um, Maybe you can see it has polka dots on it and it also has a picture of a little house with a little cat in it and the cat is wearing trousers and a striped shirt um, and a little bow tie. Cat dish. Last fall, my kitty Nora died. She was 15. She stayed in California with my family. I only saw her on visits home, but I loved her very much and definitely considered her my animal. She was an outdoor cat. She spent most of her time in the neighborhood backyards. She was born with gray fur, but years outside, untended, left her with a sort of brown, mossy, green, matted coat. She had lost a few of her teeth and had some kind of arthritis. She was tremendously fat and very scrappy, especially when she stalked birds. She recognized me whenever I came home once or twice a year and always slept with me when I crashed on my parents' couch, purring on my chest. My parents didn't interact much with her, but they claimed to love her. They fed her kitten food her entire life, except when they ran out, and then they fed her the dog's kibble. I identified deeply with my cat's relationship to my parents. Unlike a dog, a cat didn't hang on their every word, wouldn't indulge their loud voices or roughhousing. A dog gives its person a lot of attention, a lot of unconditional love. A cat gives you nothing but conditions. A dog lives to affirm your personhood. A cat is its own person, please and thanks. My mom called me at work and said that Nora was deathly ill and had to be put to sleep immediately. I asked what that meant, and she said that she wasn't eating her food, which was a sure sign that she needed to be euthanized. My little brother apparently saw the cat recently and said, she looks rough, you should put her down. And so my family decided to do just that. A few years ago, my parents' dog died, and, Ever since my brother and I left home, my parents stopped training their house pets. They give the dog no obedience training. They barely housebroke him. He was allowed to hump or chew on any piece of furniture or object he came across. He ate whatever he wanted, dog food, human food, trash, electrical equipment, anything. My parents never raised their voices to him and never pulled anything out of his mouth. They didn't want to hurt the dog's feelings. 
they didn't enjoy providing discipline. They didn't want to make the dog feel bad. But they didn't want to be mean to it. But it wasn't about the dog. It was because it made them feel bad to do it. I realized that sometimes people who you love, even your parents, treat you not in a way that corresponds to you, but in a way that makes them feel good. The dog developed some kind of digestive problem, obviously, and needed to be put down, unless my parents agreed to surgery. They immediately agreed to a $5,000 surgery. I didn't think this was a good idea, but I kept this opinion to myself. The dog had a surgery, and he recovered, and he lived for two days, and then he dropped dead. My parents were inconsolable and accused me of never having liked the dog in the first place, so any sympathy I evinced at the time was obviously bullshit. They were mad with grief. Fast forward back to my cat, Nora, dying. It's unclear to me that she was sick. When I was home a few months ago, she was her usual spry, disgusting, beautiful self. I asked my parents when the last time she went to the vet was, and no one could recall taking her ever, except when we got her when she was a kitten. When she took a turn for the worse, they eventually took her in, and the vet said that she was sick with kidney disease, and they needed to put her down. My mom said she had been ill for months, if not years, and said, I wish you could have seen how unhappy she was for so long, but you live so far away and you never come home. On one hand, I didn't really believe the cat was sick. I, thought of, I sort of thought they were doing it just out of spite. On the other hand, maybe she really had been sick for God knows how long, and maybe my parents never did anything. One time I had the flu, and on doctor's orders, I took ibuprofen round the clock to control my fever. It burnt a hole in my stomach, but my parents didn't believe me. They thought I was overreacting, being dramatic, just trying to get attention or something, trying to make them feel bad. I spent a week in the hospital vomiting blood and got pneumonia. They spoiled the dog because they didn't like to be disciplinarians. They ignored the cat when it didn't give them enough attention. It feels impossible but necessary, hopeless but unavoidable to admit that the way someone loves you is through their limitations. Mom asked what I wanted for Christmas. I said something to remember Nora by, a framed photo. My parents had no photos of Nora, no photos of the cat they lived with for 15 years. Okay, I have my own photos, it's fine. I asked my dad, who's a talented artist, to draw me a picture of her instead, which he agreed to. He said it was really hard because he had to do it from memory. He gave me a wonderful cartoon, which I didn't bring because it's not junk, and it's a beautiful cartoon, not of Nora the cat, but of him as a cat, a spry 65-year-old man cat. Um, then later, on my way home from the Christmas visit, my mom handed me a plastic grocery bag. It contained a handwritten card from the veterinarian assistants who put down Nora. They called her a sweet old lady, and it included a little ink paw print. Also in the bag was this little plastic dish, which was Nora's. My mom asked if I wanted them. Yes, this is exactly and only what I wanted. Thank you. She said, do you remember this dish? And all of a sudden, I started to. You know who else's food dish this was? When they were a little kitten? Yours. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much, Max. <laughs> now I'm going to end this episode the way I end every episode with a little excerpt from my junkie book, which is the reason why we're all here. Here we go. I have this way of saying bus so that it rhymes with moose 
when I want to be festive, as in gotta go or I'm gonna miss my boost. I claw for reasons to live, lull and find them. Junk is anti-stasis, ashes to atoms, in the sense that junk begs for a new use. Tangy harpsichord crunching into a crisp pink lady, the sherbet swirls on these apples is maybe the most gorgeous color in nature. He wants to dip again and I wanna go home, drink an indica chamomile and slack like a boss. It's sad not having that 20 stamina, but once I learned you could make someone come three times in a night and he would still dump you, I was like, well, <laughs> trapped there. I don't want to eat apples from the tree in the yard in the neighborhood of that feeling anymore. I like mood slash lighting and draw a bath in my brain. The bubbles spread across my knees like relief. Do you hear the cicadas? Crinkle cuts and queso with bacon and jalapeno. The movie starts and then a bump in the internet connection. We are now boarding rows 15 and higher. Best thing about leaving town is the poem suddenly comes different, as if it needs a kind of obscurity in order to really be seen. Hindsight, for example. Sight becomes a craft of memory. Memory, the fantasy that actually happened. I believe in butterscotch candies and chocolate-covered gummy bears from the pick and mix at the Virgin Atlantic Terminal in San Francisco International. Sun-smooched and sparkling famous band afternoon unfurling atop the grass. Kalamata olive pot jolly ranchers and falafel balls. The sky and its gown of nostalgia. For a minute, we were in the donut. I mean, moment. Confessed a mutual love of scratching the paint off things. Melty like cheese, like whipped cream, cake batter, double fried disco lights bobbing like those inflatable tube dudes. Continually recycling excitement. Feedback fizzy. All I ever wanted was to feel the heat with somebody but mostly affairs are sort of short and intense, like gas. Mmm, feeling peaked, roused, amused? Buy the book online or at a fine or frankly trashy bookshop near you. Junk is produced by Alexandra De Palma with production assistance by Kenya Anderson. Our theme music is a cover of Fotos y Recuerdos by Downtown Boys. Thanks for letting us use it. And we're brought to you each week by the best book peddler this side of King James, Tin House Books. Thanks for sticking around. Stay good. Stay good.